Bottom of the Smash Mountain, Season 2, Episode 20, Shine is Not Broken. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Jesse Andor, Cypher, you get it. And today we have Darwin Ding. We have Darwin here to talk about all kinds of Melee stuff. We got Melee competition. We got Melee content. We got Melee origin stories. We got Melee happenings. Melee everything, pretty much. And I'm really excited to share this interview with you. Let's go ahead and get to it. It's a really long one, so sit back and relax. Or if you can't sit back and relax because you're doing something that is maybe perhaps work or something like that. Well, actually, no. Yes, do go ahead and sit back anyway. You can just blame me, you know? (laughs) Wait, don't blame me. That means I'm making myself up to liability and stuff. No, don't do that. Let's just go ahead and get to the interview. Let's not overthink it. Why is it so quiet? Oh, right, transition. Here we are, bottom of the Smash Mountain, and today I'm so excited to be joined by Darwin, up-and-coming YouTuber who makes amazing Melee content. Darwin, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here, honestly. Big fan and of the I appreciate content. you being willing to come on. I was put onto your YouTube by Patty of Alston Melee. Shoutouts to Alston Melee, friend of the program. You get it. It's been really cool to check out the videos that you're making because I think they're relatable and somehow understandable, even if I myself am not a rugged mid-level melee veteran. I I haven't played enough to truly be able to say that, but watching these videos that you've made so far on your channel have have been great, and we will be sure to plug it and everything as we continue (laughs) to go on here. You will find in the description of this audio podcast here. You get it, but that's a big part of, of why we're here. But before we get into like nitty-gritty details about it i was wondering darwin what are your melee beginnings when did melee first become a thing for you uh i would say in 2013 actually in my most recent video you can see footage from my first tournament ever Uh, but yes i started with brawl (laughs) and uh i i don't know exactly why smash like started to pick up uh in my friend group uh but at some point i think we all just like started getting really obsessed with that game um and i remember there was like this one uh, tournament set. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's like uh, Mewtwo King versus Salem. Uh, it's like probably the most famous brawl set that was ever played. Um, and it was a huge upset. Uh, spoiler alert. But I mean, was that's that also... Apex, right? Yes, that was at Apex. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I just remember seeing that and being like, wow, this is really cool. Uh, because I had played video games at the time, but I never like thought about, you know, actually going to competitions myself. And like... Seeing like an in-person event with all the hype and festivities, I was like, I should, you know, I should play this game. Um, and I, I guess uh, I ran the course with Brawl. And uh, of course, when you play Brawl for a long enough time, there's enough people who tell you, actually, you should try Melee. <laughs> it's, uh, it's like uh, maybe, you know, better in, in, in a couple of ways. Obviously, you know, opinions. But um, I did try. I fell in love with the movement and stuff. And I started going to tournaments. Um, and then... Uh, yeah, I, it, it's just been a wild ride since there. I think like most people also, um, the the college scene was also running rampant at that time. I don't know if you've ever were familiar with like the Melee games and all those different types of things, but that was really taking off. And I feel like there was like a huge surge of, of new players and I kind of jumped in on that trend. So it wasn't so much the the documentary or anything like that. It was specifically like the Apex Tournament series and, and watching some of the big hype sets on YouTube afterwards. Yeah, actually, now that you mentioned it, the documentary was also like a huge part. Um, but I think the Apex set was the first time I distinctly remember being like, "Wow, I, you know, I could see myself doing this too." I, I because like I, I kind of, you know, 
I guess similarly to like kind of dreaming of always having a documentary episode, but just like seeing like that stage, right? And just like seeing like um, someone make an upset, especially on one of like the, the legends uh, at the time, uh, just made me feel like, you know, maybe I could do that too. That'd be really sick. Yeah, it combined that underdog with the the understanding that you had of Mewtwo King at the time, which was Mewtwo King's like amazing at all the Smash games. Yeah, and here comes this person out of nowhere. Like, am I that next person? Am I gonna be the the true underdog, like becoming the champ? Story like that. D- would you say that that overarching theme sort of appeals to you, no matter what kind of media you're consuming or in? Huh. Uh. Yes. I think. I think. A really good underdog story is always really juicy. I think, especially given the characters of that particular set. Like, obviously, you have Meta Knight, right? Who is uh, like meme worthy. Uh, like everyone knows about you know Meta Knight and Brawl these days. And then you talk about Zero Suit Samus, um, who nowadays is regarded as like a pretty good character. But uh, and I could be wrong, but I feel like back then she wasn't like regarded as like capable of like winning a major. Um, maybe I could. I, I hope no one you know blasts me on Twitter for that. But it's Brawl. Uh, I mean, who's gonna blast? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. The the four the four players are gonna yeah. No, I'm kidding, but yeah, um, but yeah. I, th- I think it's always kind of inspiring, right? Um, especially I think um, in a scene like melee where uh, it is more grassroots. There isn't a lot of money, um, and uh, like I feel like you know you see like League of Legends and Dota, and and to to really make it in those kinds of games, like you kind of have to commit a lot of like your life to it, right? Like those those people live in like training houses where they play 8 to 12 hours a day. Um, and and meanwhile in Melee, like you could get into top 100 realistically with like a full-time job. And that to me, I also think is like something that's so special about the Smash community where it's like people are doing it as like passion projects. It's like not, um, it's not so big where the money has like taken over and you know, you have like the, 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 the high school kids who have nothing better to do in between classes and they're just like playing on and on and on and on. Um, so I don't know, it's kind of interesting. Yeah, and there's like different kind of storylines that you could find interesting in like movies or TV shows or or even music, whatever else. But I, of course, a really appealing one in terms of melee is that in the grand scheme of things, we are all sort of underdogs in that sense of compared to the big esports games that get millions of dollars <laughs> thrown around. Wow, it, as yeah. compared to us, where we're just sort of like there, but also bringing just as much hype, just as much viewership, just as much whatever else, depending yeah. on the circumstance. And it's really cool that in the canvas of Melee, I like to call it, that you can very realistically and quickly paint your own brush, if if you will. And it's mm. a very small little mark, but you can do it a lot faster and easier in some ways than some of these other esports that you were sort of talking about there, where, yeah, it's a lot of money and that's really appealing. That's super cool. That's a, that's a neat, that's a definitely a neat idea. But like, if you love melee, one really neat thing is embracing the grassroots part of it. Even if it's not financially rewarding or very rarely is financially rewarding. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I do. I, I am actually super curious how you discovered smash throughout, you know, through all the, the other games, you know, there's like Fortnite and all those things. Um, but also one thing I wanted to mention really quickly is that actually that's, there's something I talked about with Patty um, a lot. Uh, again, the the guy from Austin Melee, um, and he we we talked at length about like like the the power of like local uh, communities and uh, and experiences and stuff, and how how cool it is that you know um, in a lot of these scenes, it's it's all about the people who are very 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 much at the top. And obviously, there is like a huge spectator bias. Like 
if you ask the average player who even knows anything about Smash, the first players they'll mention are you know Hungrybox and and Mango. But um, it is cool, like how you know I I've played in in the New York uh, city scene for quite a bit of time, and you know I, I have a great amount of respect for the PR uh, power rankings of of our local city, just because like even to get to that level, there's like um, like so much effort has gone into in, into their game plans and stuff, uh, and it's cool to see that there's also like uh, a local level where people can shine as well. Yes, and that yeah. and that's realistically where it starts. If you want to play melee, especially pre-pandemic, you have to say, "I need to start showing up to these locals." And maybe there's only twenty other people there, but you need to be the best in that group of twenty. And then there's regionals where maybe there's maybe there's only fifty people or even a hundred, and you say, "I have to be the best player there," and just keep working your way up until one day you're at a super major and you're in top eight and you're trying to make grands. Absolutely, absolutely, and that's like such a fun process too. I feel like, like because you know, it's like uh, you just see yourself like improving with every every step of the ladder, I guess. Um, and and you yeah. can find other ways to enjoy melee as well. Uh, I think that for me, for the longest time, I got hung up by the thought of well, I either have to be a top player to really get anything out of melee, or I have to somehow or other become super relevant, like like Samox became relevant with the Smash documentary mm. and with metagame. So I'm thinking, that's really basically it. But Alston Melee was very inspiring, and so were the Wannabes podcast, where they're both sort of at a little bit of a smaller scale, and I'm not saying that to be insulting, I'm saying that to be, Melee's really important to us, and we're still doing super cool things. Things that that you you might say were crazy to do in terms of what you look at it from an objective like how is this really benefiting your life yes it is but maybe mm. it's a little bit of a roundabout way maybe it's not the conventional way but we're still getting a lot of fulfillment out of this and i said oh okay that's cool yes okay yes this is something that i could that i could somehow contribute to even though i'm not really an amazing player or anything because i never actually have gone to an in-person tournament before that that's my story i've wanted to and i regret not having done it already but that is that is what happened so i'm yeah. really happy to be like in this space now where i thought oh i'll get slippy and that didn't work out because landlord no internet it do be that way sometimes but ah. i've enjoyed i've enjoyed talking to people around melee within melee whether what whatever the role is it's been really cool just to get to know everything at a little bit more of a personal level also to shows some love and, and shine I guess you could say to those to those contributing people who are ultimately the reason why top players can shine because it all adds up to that level we all contribute like I said to that big canvas and when you look at it from a whole yeah the biggest spots that you might see right away are top players this someone's reaction to that and then content creators that are at the omega level but then even down to here where I am it's really cool just to be able to contribute and see everybody else who's contributing too. Totally agreed. And I almost feel like on a, like, I guess a philosophical level, like I feel like it is important to find fulfillment at every level of play because I mean, um, sure we might not be the greatest players in the world or like the biggest content creators as well, but also like um, arguably there's like a ton of burnout and uh, at the top even. And it's like, like, even when a lot of these people have, like, reached a lot of their goals, it seems, like, very difficult. Like, I mean, we, you, we can talk about, like, Hungrybox, right? And he, he was, like, the greatest player of all time for three years. But I'm sure the only thing he's thinking about right now is is how, you know, how COVID has, I guess, or a bunch of external factors could have, like, uh, or in any case, I guess the, the end result is that his, his tournament performance is not, like, where 
uh, it, it, it used to be, right? And so as a result, I'm sure that's like deeply frustrating. And I, and I, and I always have to like think about like the fact that like some of the most, uh, the people who are having the most fun in the Smash community are probably the people who, you know, they have a beer at like a bar tournament in some, you know, at some random local and they're sitting in the back playing like Mario versus Bowser and like, like post tournament or something. And like from time to time, I, I think um, we can kind of lose sight of, of like the fun in favor of all of the, you know, the glamour, all of, like the, the clout chasing and, and all of that stuff. So I think it's cool that um, to kind of embrace the, the smaller status from time to time um, as well. And embracing like the fun part of melee exactly like if you narrow it too much you might go super esports and i need to be the best player at all these tournaments win everything but that is a very lofty goal to have and one or two people in a group of thousands are realistically able to do something like that so Mm. you obviously can go for it if you want to but also just realizing all these players that are really good or the content creators like i think about people like like awesome sauce right who are really really good at what they do they have many many people who like to watch their videos all that stuff is great but it's it is very hard to get there and it is a very short list so Mm. how realistic do you want to be about getting to that place how long do you want to continue to go on where it's a very thankless operation there's very little feedback and you have to be intrinsically motivated to get to a point where feedback becomes more of a thing and more views and whatever whatever and is that truly the only thing you're interested in because if that's the case melee is probably not (laughs) no it's not it's not at the top of the list of things and ways to to get up there i mean in terms of cloud chasing there's probably plenty of other things you could really try and do yeah yeah in the in the in the realm of the internet so why melee right but melee is so special so you kind of have to you kind of have to already have that mindset from the beginning i feel like where you're going i love melee so screw it i'm just going to do things that i like with it and if other people like it too then that is awesome yeah, totally agree. And it's also really cool that like people like Awesome Sauce. Like, he's it's not that he like found a niche necessarily and 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 honed it. It's like almost like he created his own niche in some sense because I like it's like he has like this unique blend of like incredibly high production value uh, and and quality and like making video essays about Smash where um, that that aren't about like necessarily the competitive side of the game um, that I hadn't seen other people like really touch on. Like it's it's like he almost like grew his own branch of like the smash community um and i don't know that that's just like fascinating to me how like it's like it's like exactly what you said right it's like you can fixate on being like number one or number two but uh you can also just kind of like do your own thing and that can also be sort of like beautiful in its own way also um yeah that's a great way to put it so when you were originally first competing in brawl and in melee and then eventually just in melee did PM ever catch your eye because this was a time well at least in the 2013-2014 is a time where PM was really relevant and it did unfortunately due to circumstances that most of the listening audience are familiar with sort of got blacklisted if you will and has since kind of come back in terms of P plus and that's really cool but it was really popular it was just as popular as Brawl and as Melee but then it dropped off so you were around when it was really popping did that ever catch your interest or was it just Melee and Brawl and then just Melee yeah um a bunch of my friends were really into it uh I will admit that uh it was a little confusing for me at the time um just because I could appreciate why it was so sick um like you know in in terms of like 
it's such a uh, um, um, the sheer amount of passion that kind of like went into that uh, was literally incredible. Um, and they clearly put a lot of thought into all the different characters. But I think as a competitor, um, it, it felt to me at the time that like there was kind of a dichotomy where uh, either I uh, played a lot of the game because there's so many different matchups to learn um, because all the characters are really good in that game. So um, and that was uh, already kind of challenging because like I, so I was a fox main at the time and I, every single time I played against a different person in my local community kind of felt like you know I was dying to like Ivysaur's like solar beam. I was like oh damn there's like so many different combos uh, that I have to like learn specific to that. Um, and then I found myself kind of like regressing back to, to melee where it was, it was just like, sure, there aren't as many viable characters as there are in PM, but it is like a nice set where it's like, I know there are like basically eight essentially matchups that I need to learn. And obviously there's like the, the mid tiers and the low tiers and such. But for me, it was a lot easier to feel like I was improving tangibly, I think, um, because it was, uh, in some sense, in some senses, like a, a little simpler for me. At the time, were you saying to yourself, I want to be the best in my area or the best in the world? Or what was your motivation to continue playing? Was it just you coming back to that set at Apex where you're going, I want to be that person who sort of comes out of nowhere and wins a unfavorable matchup? Did you always think about that? Yeah, I think th- that dream has, has probably like shifted a lot over time. Um, I do think that the main source of motivation for me throughout my Smash career has always been those sort of like short-term um, goals of like, uh, hey, I want to be like the best at my school or hey, I want to be the, the best in like uh, this the town uh, surrounding the school. Um, and I guess now, right now, it's like I want to, uh, I guess, try to get PR'd on in, the, in New York at some point, right? Like that would be super sick. Um, I do think that like long-term... I've always wanted to see what it would take to, you know, break into the top 100 in Melee. I always wanted to see, like, what it would take to break into the top 20 or something. But it's also so crazy that, like, with each passing level, like, I feel like um, it always feels like a new complicated puzzle. It never feels like, oh, this is just more of the same at this point. Um, that I think it would probably be foolhardy for me to say, like, hey, I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm going to become Mango, right? But... Uh, I, I, I do wonder about it, and I do think that is like a long-term source of motivation, but I definitely think that like the little short-term milestones are the, the only way that I can stay sane. Um, I, I would also be kind of curious if, if you have seen something similar, um, because I know that I know you haven't like gone to tournaments and stuff, but uh, I assume that you know you've played um, some amount. so I'm, I'm curious like if you've had to also uh, navigate these sort of like short-term uh, motivation hurdles or something. Well, the big thing for me is that since I'm run along the lines of more of an introverted person and never going to tournaments means that in a really social game like Melee, you have to be in the same room as the person unless you want to do, well, because this is, this is delay-based netcode times, right, in the, in the mid-teens of the 2010s, however you want to <laughs> phrase yeah. it. So basically, I was aware of competitive melee since about 2006 or so, when sets like like grand finals of Ken versus PC Chris were putting oh were, wow. they were being put onto YouTube, and I was going, oh, I want to play melee like that, <laughs> but I never went to tournaments, so that was my problem. I was always like, ah, I don't know, gee, and obviously melee is not the only thing in my life but every every couple of years or so until 2018 i would just come back to melee for whatever reason it was like the dock or it was this tournament set or this happened and it kind of made headlines and i go ah oh, this is still happening oh mm. yeah i don't know i don't know 
now we're now we're back in 2018 and I'm going okay I'm gonna follow along on Twitter I'll, I'll participate a little bit that way but still I really don't think much is gonna come and then 2021 and I'm like dang it I gotta do this I this like now <laughs> or never or something I don't know it wasn't that urgent but my motivation really up to now hasn't really been there except to say I guess I'm really pulled into melee now and somehow or other I'm going to do something here. I don't know what yet, but that's that's where I am. It's been such a slow burn. If I were an anime show, I'd be like Naruto or something. <laughs> with so many flashbacks, you know what I mean? Or reruns. Yeah, what yeah. do they call them? Filler episodes. Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. Just the same rehashing of things over and over again and everyone's going, come on, advance this story. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I actually am so deathly curious then because... Um, there are so many games out there, uh, and so actually, if you don't mind me asking, like why why melee uh, in particular? I know, like I mean personally, obviously, I think melee is a sick game, um, you know, great great storylines. But I guess if I wasn't so invested in melee, I feel like there are so many games over time that have come out, maybe like Valorant or something, that would have caught my attention. So I'm just curious, like why why do you think you came back to melee? It's just the pool of the game. I feel like because mm. I've played other games, of course, but. First-person shooters, eh. RPGs, eh. Mm. Things like StarCraft, eh. Like, none of it's really appealing to me. I, I think I've enjoyed playing some other games, of course. And Nintendo in general, I feel like I've liked more than PlayStation stuff or Xbox stuff mm. and even some PC stuff. But I come back to Melee and I go, oh, this is so cool. I still really enjoy playing like casually for the most part, trying to learn to do some advanced techniques and then going, oh man, I should really practice this more, but I'm not going to tournaments either, so eh. But I still really mm. enjoy watching it. And then there's content pieces that come out around it and I'm going, oh, this is fun. This is fun to watch. And then I'll watch other content pieces around other games and go, eh. So it really is more of this, this intangible abstract connection that I have to Smash because I enjoy all the games like I enjoy 64 up to ultimate, although the buffer system is really just a pain in the butt. <laughs> Melee is the most fun to watch and and the most fun to talk about and to be like involved is the wrong word because I have hardly been involved, hardly, but to, to be around the discourse of Melee and within mm. the community to a certain extent, a limited extent, has been the most fun that I've had. So I'm going, <laughs> I don't know why I couldn't tell you any specific reason, but melee just pulls me in every time. Sick. No, I, I know that feeling. And I, and I feel like I can say that about most of my friends and myself. Like, I mean, over the course of, I've been playing what, like eight years now, I, I've definitely felt like quitting many, many, many times, but there's always like some, uh, I guess, uh, feeling that Melee captures that like, I've definitely never felt in, in any other game. Um, and I've always actually wanted to, like, write a video essay on this, uh, actually. And uh, I I don't... I always feel like there's, like, um, a couple bullets where I, my thoughts always go down for this. So one being that I feel like Melee is just, like, kind of absurd on the surface. So, like, you see... Because, like, there's the... The fact that like obviously people are getting very sweaty and try hard about the game, but also you're you know playing Mario versus like Princess Peach on like Yoshi Story, and, <laughs> yeah. and I think that that by itself is hilarious, right? It, like it means that like no matter how try hard you get, you you almost like can't take it too seriously, but simultaneously you do anyway, and it's almost just like taking something that isn't meant to be taken seriously very seriously is is hilarious and amazing. Um, 
And also, I guess like the the genius game design, genuinely, like I, I think whenever I talk to any uh, long-term competitive player, they're always just like, you know, I've tried other games and they just don't feel the same. And like, I don't think I'll ever move on from Melee until I find another game that feels the same. And I totally agree. And I and um, there's, it's just like so um, expressive in the sense that like it really does feel like in any given, I guess, frame uh, of Melee that you could you could actually branch off and do a bajillion different things. And um, sure, there is some level of correctness. There is definitely like a level of optimization. But the game is also so fast that uh, arguably you can't. There's there's almost like this uh, this this I guess upper ceiling of optimization almost where I feel like the human brain almost just can't process things so fast that you can like do the kinds of optimizations that you would in a game like chess where you know you can calculate thirty moves ahead in melee. You kind of the 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 real time nature almost pushes the game like forward so quickly. Um, I don't know if either of these bullets make any sense. No, yeah. That was it. I I was just saying how, like, it's really cool how different things like chess will kind of pull melee players in. There was that that chess phase we were all kind of going through here in the past couple of months. Yeah. It was really really cool to see because you can tell that most people who play melee sort of have that understanding already of you can calculate ahead to a certain amount, but you also have to be able to think on your feet. You have to be light on your toes, if you will, because as much of it is being a technical game and requiring tech skill and having those 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 the tech requirements you could say and being able to master those sort of things then eventually it comes to where it's more of a mind game and at the top of of melee at the top of the meta if you will where mango and zane live if you will and mm. also wizrobe shout out to wizrobe uh, yeah you have yeah. you have this constantly evolving and shifting where where maybe perhaps side B, because of delay, so not delay base, sorry, rollback netcode makes it a little harder to react to the side B mm. from Falco and Fox. But then you'll go back to CRT and people will go, oh, I can react to this again. And then all of a sudden, recoveries change. The entire recovery tree yeah. changes. And you see so many Falcos and Foxes that it just looks different and it shifts back and forth, back and forth. There's just so many little things, right, where if you think you have it nailed down, then the other person goes, okay, you selected paper, now I'm going to throw scissors. It just changes. It always changes. It's so cool to see. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. And, like, in those situations, it's almost like uh, a rare treasure in the, like, the melee meta when you actually find a situation that you can flowchart. Um, and every other situation just really does feel like a poker hand, honestly, like a series of like interactive poker hands. Um, because like, it's also interesting. So I, I did play competitive chess for a while and in that community, there is no such thing as like a bait or conditioning or mix up, right? Like you don't, you never will see a, a top chess player, like move a knight forward and then move it backwards, right? Like that's like not a thing, but in, in melee, you'll very often see players like dash forward, wave dash back and, and it's like interesting because there is such a intrinsic human element to the meta. Like, I don't think the fact that dash forward, wave dash back uh, exists only because you know the the current meta isn't evolved to the point where like that like that in ten years uh, humans will have be able to process the game to such speed that that will become extraneous or anything. Like, I think that is just literally just a part of the genre. Um, that as you're saying, like you know the speed and everything, it really does mess with all uh, the decision making that people have to do. Um, yeah, I don't know. Fighting games are wild. Super wild. And even other fighting games, like to your to your question earlier, Tekken or Mortal Kombat or or whatever, just like they just don't feel the same. And I've really come to enjoy specifically Smash because I've also seen 
rivals of ether and other kind of like platform mm. fighters you could say and i'm still going eh somehow it's just melee dude <laughs> interesting yeah no i know what you mean um I'll, yeah i don't know what it is uh i think also personally i i i prefer the melee aesthetic to some degree uh but maybe that's also i'm biased because i'm obviously been in the community for a very very long time um but it definitely feels different when you see like you know the the Tekken people like kind of like moving. I don't, I'm not a huge fan of like the 2.5D. I don't know what you call it, 3D uh, concept. But yeah, and also I guess this is probably too prescriptive. But uh, have you ever heard that old prog quote that's like traditional fighting games are like uh, classical music, but melee is like jazz? Um, this was that's like a, a quote great that was, like, quote. That is like, such a perfect way to describe it. Yeah, it definitely feels like um, when you learn a traditional fighting game, and I know, like, you know, uh, Street Fighter has a lot of depth, a lot of expressiveness as well, um, uh, and a lot of people love that game. But it does feel like there are things that were definitely, like, meant to, to be that you sort of, like, you know, you learn uh, more, like, flowcharty type of way. It's, like, more scientific in that way, and that, and that in Melee, it's... it's it, there's almost a limit to how much you can you can approach the game with that sort of mindset. Uh, although it is obviously, you know, people should learn to tech chase. People should learn to react in as many situations as possible and, you know, edge guarding flow charts and that, and that uh, ilk, I guess. Um, if you really want to be serious about melee, yeah, to your point, there are a certain amount of things that are tangible and have zeros and ones that are easier to see. Like frame data also is a big thing. Like you need to know that shine comes out frame one. So your yeah. frame four or five grab is always going to lose if it's <laughs> yeah. one or the other. But it, it, also then that, it just that gets... one frame. Oh, sorry. I was just going to that one yeah. frame shine always uh, pisses off every single fighting game player that doesn't play melee. It, like it's. It's honestly so absurd that um, how how fast it is, and yet in the grand scheme of melee, like shine is very powerful, but I would hesitate to call it broken. Um, and I I don't know, it, it has to truly come down to the fact that melee is so analog. Um, I don't know how to better put that, but anyway, I didn't mean to cut you off. Well, really, what shine does is it invalidates a lot of the characters, and Sheik's existence also invalidates <laughs> a lot of the characters, but. Really, that's the biggest consequence. So the fact that there are still a, like a solid eight to twelve characters who are viable, like obviously you're not going to see Samus win or or I guess maybe even Pikachu. Uh, we've mm. seen Peach win plenty of majors. It's been a little while, but the the point is is that some of the players that are sorry characters that are not Falco, Fox, Marth, and Puff that are mm. in the line of Captain Falcon, Peach, and so on can do it it just is going to be a little bit harder to and that I, yeah. I feel like that is enough character variety i'm sad in some ways that slippy has sort of seen some of the more some of the more niche characters like peach kind of fall off a little bit but there's been a resurgent recently so that that narratives are already started to change back in a positive direction the point yeah. is, is that shine is not broken in my opinion it's very very strong and yeah it makes it so that you can't play you can't play characters like Kirby or, or Roy and expect to win at all times, but you can still see cool things about those characters. Like I love Don't Test Me. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. And he was he was messing up foxes who did know how to shine and stuff. Like I I feel like um, I don't he know, beat Ginger, yeah. dude. Yeah, that that was <laughs> that was literal insanity. Um, but yeah, no, I I totally agree. It, it, it's also interesting because like despite being so fast, it does have these other 
interesting drawbacks that a lot of players learn to to play around. Um, so like it can get outranged and stuff, and I find that to be. Oh, I guess getting outranged is like the the typical one. Um, and I remember the first time I ever played Just Jason. He is like a local New York chic. Um, and um, Drill and the Shine is a combo that I kind of every I guess every Foxman kind of indoctrinates into themselves, right? It's like very powerful, you know. Um, but he just uh, smashed the eye out of the drill, and he grabbed around the shine. Uh, and I know this is probably like really in the weeds at this point, but I just thought it was like so fascinating how like this thing that I thought was so guaranteed just had this another layer around it because like he he has played against so many foxes who had tried to drill shine him in the past, and he just knew that like you know uh, shine still has weaknesses. He can he can play around it if he if he knows the counterplay. Um, or just or just think about Marth doing an up throw on a spacey or another fast faller like falcon onto a platform and going all right i got this up tilt for free but Mm. as soon as they throw it out the falcon or the fox falco will do a slide off smash di and Mm. hit him with a back air or a shine to pop him into the air or whatever and marth's going wait wait whoa 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 i have a guaranteed move right there yeah it looks absurd to see a character just like get hit then slide off a platform and just be like oh i'm chill like <laughs> we're back i like now i can hit you it's um, a it's an extreme it's an extreme example of like how melee has so many r- counters it's not like the mm. down b you get hit you hit him back counter it's literal defensive mechanics that make it so unique to anything else that i see and that's a great thing to harp on actually because to your to what we've been talking about here why melee melee has some of the best defensive mechanics i've ever seen in any game ever because it's sort mm. of like not a true cinematic of wobbling or or in another fighting game watch someone complete a 50 hit combo where it's sort of automatic and it's mostly a cinematic thing where you're putting yeah. down your controller and grabbing something in melee there are a lot of things happening in every single frame where escaping combos is possible it's not always guaranteed and the other player can try to play around that even still adding more and more layers and there are option selects but you you don't just stop when you start getting up thrown on final destination yeah you, you have opportunities albeit small ones as a fox or falco against marth on fd to escape and to do something so instead of letting yourself get up thrown up thrown up thrown either sweet spot forward smash or tipper i should say or a nair off stage there are different things you can do that's why players like mango can make it look like wait have we been wrong all this time can a spacey beat marth on fd like the fact that that discourse can happen is is thanks to the amazing defensive mechanics of melee that's actually an amazing point. I love the the the, the fact that the, the defense and like even the combo game, which in yeah, I, I agreed. Like in uh, traditional fighting games, that's usually the most rote part of the game is like so deeply interactive. It's so wild because in some ways it's like uh, it was probably put in the game because Sakurai originally just didn't want it to be a fighting game, uh, <laughs> or or to some degree, like I'm sure to some degree he was just like I want this to be a party game, um, and I just want people to fly off in like wacky uh, directions. But then it turned out to just be this absurd take on like the fighting game genre where like now it's like the only game that has an interactive combo game to like that level of detail. And yet it still remains uh, super competitive because like even if I, you know, I change up all the different, you know, DIs uh, as a fox against a Marth chain grabbing on, on FD, like if the Marth player is playing optimally, they should, you know, zero to death me off of every single grab. And yet uh, by being a really good defensive player, 
I can still make it extremely hard. Like I can make it so that only um, really really guard, good marks can can um, can do that on me, and that's because like there are so many little tricks that the box can do. You know, like slight di and then shine, and like there's just so many crazy things, and that just let, adds so many like la- layers of depth. Um, I think is what you're saying, like to to all these uh, interactions that might seem mundane in like normal games, but it just becomes like really deep and complex and all those fun words. Yes, yes. So many, so many layers, so many layers. So why Fox for you? You've, you've been talking uh, as if you're a Fox main, which I have to assume is the case. Why Fox? Yes. Why not another character? Interesting. Um, so I I started out as a Falcon main, and I think that was because I just like the speed, I like the combos, all those things. Noob. There was... <laughs> I... There was a moment in my Smash career, I remember getting incredibly frustrated with Smash. And I and I wish I had been like journaling or something at the time because I can't remember exactly what had triggered it. But I remember being very frustrated that like, um, I think I felt like I was plateauing, honestly. And I think that like I had gone to a level of like technical skill where I just basically in a game, I would turn my brain off and just do every single like movement option and crazy combo extension that I wanted to. And there was like a certain category of player that I felt like I could consistently beat that like couldn't deal with the speed. But then there was the players above me who knew like could see through all the mess and would just like consistently beat me solidly. And I think that made me realize that I had um, some pretty fundamental knowledge gaps uh, in my game. And I knew like long term that I didn't just want to be like a, a local you know player who just like stomped on people who didn't know understand the game. I was really curious like what is it? What is at the top? Right. Um, like what? How beautiful does this game get? Like uh, as as I keep getting better, and so uh, I made the decision that like I just should index on learning theory and almost like the you know the quote unquote correct way to learn. And that was my mentality at the time. I I kind of don't like that phrasing now, um, but that's that's why I originally picked up Fox. And since then, I I think I've I've learned to really enjoy the character. I think um, Fox kind of epitomizes that kind of interactivity uh, aspect because. Just in any situation, he has so many options. Um, so uh, I, I just think Fox is a, a joy to play, honestly. Even with all the technical things that you do need to know and how fast your hands have to be able to move, all these things can come with training and time. Do you feel like you're at a spot at this point with Melee and with Fox where you're going, okay, I, I like where I am right now with, with Room to Grow, or do you still feel like, when you're playing on either unranked or if you're playing on like a direct connect, that sort of thing? Yeah, I I genuinely feel uh, like I see how many things I have to work on and it makes me so... It, I don't know. It makes me really excited to keep playing the game and like keep competing and keep trying different like practice routines and like learning new things uh, and like talking to other people about like how they improve and like taking notes from them. Like I, it also like helps that also um, uh, a few weekends ago I got coaching from Squid and actually that was Ooh, like one go. of the the best uh, uh, value hours I think in my melee career uh, hands down and it was like I think it was like thirty five dollars which is I mean considering how much, how much money I spent on flights and hotels and everything like um, for the for the knowledge he dropped on me that was great um, but I think it's I don't know. It was just wild to to hear a top player like look at one of my replays and just like think about it and add a new perspective on top of everything. Um, he talked about how like even for the things that I was trying to do, like if I did all these like 
things differently and like stops the, you know, spending frames like, uh, I don't know how in the weeds to get, but like basically that I was, you know, dashing back in situations where it didn't necessarily do anything that if I had cut out basically all this cruft from my play, that I could even do more of the things that I liked doing in the game. And that like realization was like, wow, holy crap. Like I thought, you know, I was like being fast and technical, but look at this like new perspective. Like I can be even more fast, even more technical. Um, and I don't know, I'm just very excited to play. Um, but yeah, I, I'm also curious, like, um, if, if you feel that way with the game, um, or if you have, you know, ran into to roadblocks and such, uh, 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 for whatever practice that you've been doing. <laughs> it's been very minimal. Like when I say I don't really play melee that much, like I, it is, it is true without, without having slippy, without having in-person tournaments to go to, like, yeah. it's just the desire to play at the game itself is not very high right now. I'm just like so excited to watch. Uh, tournaments, sure. especially the SCL stuff we've been having recently, and then talking about it with other people. That's where my motivation has been. But I think that for me, I'm really excited for being able to compete and then feel motivated after that. It's sort of like how in my own life, I don't like jogging just for the sake of jogging or running for the sake of running. Mm. But when I see a ball, <laughs> I'm not like oh. a dog where I go, must get ball. But like all of a sudden, I am very motivated to run. So the way that I think of it in Melee is, I don't know how motivated I am to practice tech skill on my own because that's something I could very easily do. I can uh. boot up the game, put it on some computers and just you know, practice tech skill with, with you know, I, I think I kind of, go back and forth between whether or not I want to play as Falco or Marth or Jigglypuff somehow strangely for whatever reason but <laughs> all great I, characters I, honestly I I'm I'm thinking to myself instead I'm like I don't really want to do that but if I got messed up by somebody at a local who's saying yeah you should probably practice more if you're ever going to want to beat me I'll go oh yeah yeah I'll freaking do it yeah and I think yeah. that's I think that's what I need as of now. That sounds like BS to some people, I'm sure. But please don't get mad at me. That's how I feel. No, I think the short-term motivation uh, things are, are some of the most important things. Like having that little goal, like either to beat someone that, you know, you're practicing with um, or to, to see little instances of progress. Like, you know, maybe you get destroyed by uh, a local legend and then the next time, you know, it's a three stock instead of a four stock. Or, you know, you, you've been practicing... Uh, something really random like mashing out of grab right and then you managed to mash out of like three grabs during that set whereas last time it was like only one like those little instances i think it's like those small wins are so sick it's also funny because the way that you describe it almost sounds like it's like the birth of a super villain it's like you need like that you know the origin story um but yeah no i i totally i totally get where you're coming from i, I feel like people don't really can't really get into melee if the, those don't exist like imagine like putting someone in like a locked cell with just a CRT for like, and like we'll let you out in five years. Let's see how your tech skill has progressed. Like no one's going to keep playing uh, and be mentally sane after that time. You kind of need like the, the local, like the little wins here and there, I guess. Yeah. And I, I just feel like that, like my, my own motivation to get better at a video game very specifically and very technically like melee is, yeah, I need someone to pin on the wall, if you will. And, and in the nice, in the nicest way, I I feel like that's where my competitiveness really comes out. Where it's like, if I'm running, it's just me. If I'm doing something by myself, it's just me. But if mm. there's someone who I can either visualize or that I'm literally playing against in that moment, I'm going, "Ooh, okay, now I want to win." Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. 
Um, I will actually add one other thing, which I think was a is something I was not expecting when learning like tech skill was that I think after a certain level of uh, of like once I established my practice routines and stuff, uh, I actually felt like practicing tech skill and like working on my consistency was almost like meditative. Like sometimes when I'm having like a, a hard day at work or, you know, uh, something doesn't go well, like it was really nice to be able to just put on, you know, some music and just like just grind, like, you know, ledge dashes or grind shines out of shields or like combos on like a CPU and just kind of like that. It's just very, um, I don't know, there's kind of comfort in that routine as well. Um, but I do, I do, do totally agree. It's just like having that, that external motivation is, is usually the, the best way to go. So Darwin, you're basically like a Jedi Knight meditating midair or something and <laughs> lifting rocks around you. But instead of that, it's literally ledge dashing perfectly, getting 14 frames a gallon or galent or whatever the heck. And yeah. going, oh yeah, ooh, that's a perfect circle of an up smash right there. Ooh, that's nice. Honestly, if I could go back in time, I would pick the lightsaber every time. But, you know, I, I already, I'll have to live with the decision. Um, <laughs> I'll just be in my own temple that is Uncle Punch or 20XX or whatever. Oh, by um, the way, shout-outs to Star Wars people, if there are any. May the 4th be with you. You get it? Because it's May 4th. <laughs> oh, you get it. You get it. Yes, yes. Nice. Nice. Uh, I, totally, I totally forgot about that, actually. I um, had Star Wars on my mind earlier, so that's probably why I mentioned the Jedi Knight, Jedi Knight thing, but then I was going, oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. It is May 4th today, so that's cool. Honestly, if you're a big fan of Jedis, you should probably play Marth then, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, I really don't know because I think that's the exciting part for me as well where I'm going, I don't have good habits, but I don't have bad habits. So who <laughs> who's the character who I would really want to learn from like the ground up? Because there are so many resources. And once once you start playing, once I start playing, I should say, uh, that's when I'll find out how much time I have to put into it, that sort of thing. It will be limited. I have a full-time job and I have a wife and two kids, so mm. I have to be careful. But I can do what Scar does where doing lessons with and coaching sessions with Mango where Mango's yeah. basically saying, you don't have enough time to do this like how I do it. So these are the things that you should probably focus on in your limited time. And I'm going, oh, oh, that's me. That's me too. Yes, I don't have all day <laughs> to, to, to do this kind of stuff. Please pass it on. So those videos are cool. Just look up Mango Scar coaching and I'm sure you'll find them on Mango's YouTube channel. Yeah, I actually love those videos. I feel like they, first of all, they vibe really well. And then also Mango just has a, a crazy amount of insight. If I could peddle my my opinionated thoughts on, on those two characters, though, um, I would say, like, uh, depending on the way that you normally approach games or the, the way that you kind of like thinking about games, um, I do think Marth gets a lot more out of thinking about the game more philosophically or, you know, playing thinky melee because it's like, it is so, like, spacing dependent and it is more about, like, precision than it is... Um, you know, mashing buttons. And I'm not saying by any means that Falco is mashing buttons because there are a lot of thinky Falcos for sure. Um, but I do think Falco also um, has that like higher execution floor. But I guess the as a result, you do get like those cool combos. You do get the um, the more expressive tech skill maybe. Um, but yeah, I, I guess I'd be curious. Uh, or I guess it's up to you depending on the way that you normally play these kinds of games. Ginger is a perfect philosophical and yeah. and and really deep thinking Falco in my opinion because anytime I watch a video that Ginger makes where he's talking about the game I'm going Ginger is so freaking smart. He is. He is. <laughs> and it's helpful that he's okay. Okay. Also want to give credits to Drugs Fox who's uh, who's Ginger's coach and I'm I'm sure that is at least somewhat helpful for Ginger to be able to think about the game as well as have I didn't know such that, amazing actually. tech skill. 
Yeah, yeah. Shout outs to Drug Fox. Great, great coach. And actually, the whole coach thing in general has sort of been a discussion point on Twitter recently, I feel like. I guess what I would ask to you is you've competed long enough. I'm sure... <laughs> I'm sure there's people in the crowd yelling things all the time at people at the TV playing like, oh, "Oh, keep you got to watch out for the grab. Don't get shield grabbed or whatever. Like, what are your thoughts on coaching, like specifically during a set? Oh, during a set? I think absolutely not. I think that um, so I have been dabbling in Valorant uh, recently, which is like a, a team FPS. And I think one of the worst parts about that game is that um so when you die in a round, like you're you're gone. You don't like respawn or anything until the next round. And so then you just start watching the game from your player, your teammates' perspective, and inevitably you'll get you'll see like mistakes and you know uh, from the other person's perspective, and other people will see mistakes when I play, and and you know they're watching me. But I think one of the worst things you can do in a moment where someone is like trying to focus is kind of like inject even like very very helpful information because I think. Um, what that really does is it kind of just like takes you out of the moment. And like, then the per you're like, uh, I don't know from personal experience, like you end up trying to like triage that information with all the stuff that you're trying to focus on. And usually it either ends up being like, my brain will shut down and I'll just like blindly do the thing that like I hear. Um, but I'll forget to do literally everything else. Like I'll like, you know, duck from, I'll like jump from behind cover if they say to like watch this one area. And then I'll just kind of get like shot from like three different angles. And I'll be like, damn, why did I, why did I do that? Um, but I think, there's like a whole like thing where I feel like in a tournament, you just kind of play your game, right? Like I, I think um, this is also like a common theme I hear from other people who have like, competed for very long periods of time. Like at a certain point, like it's not even about correctness anymore. Like obviously correctness is better and it is what separates top players from like low level players. But um, I think like you just got to be in your zone, right? Like you just got to like accept whatever preparation got you to that event and just kind of like ride it through. Um, and I hear so many stories of players like showing up to tournaments in their pajamas, like literally to 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 sh- like uh, set up like the home environment and stuff. And I think it makes sense. It, it seems quirky. It seems weird. But like if you're not comfortable, if you're not confident, like you're not going to you're not going to play your best. And like trying to eke out those little advantages, like I think that should probably be reserved to the lab. So what is your tournament thing that you like to do or a tournament habit? Wait, that's not tournament prep thing. There's a word that I'm not getting here, but routine, tournament routine. Do you have any? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think. So this has been something I've been experimenting a lot with over time. I think like the mechanics of it uh, has been changing over time. I think uh, my relationship with caffeine has been like probably the most interesting part of uh, of the out of game routine stuff because I think for me caffeine represents this like incredible double edged sword where um, on one hand it increases my baseline consistency by a lot like I just play a lot faster um, when I'm like I mess up less and usually it puts me in a good mood too there's like that dopamine hit but I think uh, caffeine also gives me a, a big amount of the jitters um, and I think that it, in some ways it has actually like ruined a lot of my consistency issues because I think that like sometimes like my brain also turns off or like I tend to panic. Uh, if I get really nervous during a tournament set. And so trying to like find that like perfect balance or, you know, maybe I should be like, I have experimented a lot with this, honestly. Um, but like, you know, maybe I drink an espresso and then I go for a run, drink a lot of water, and then I warm up for a bit and I play a certain amount of friendlies before a tournament or um, all those different kinds of things. In, in any case, I think that has been like a very weird personal struggle, but also like really enlightening in a lot of different ways. Um, I think the other aspect of this that I think is interesting is like the the tournament 
like mentality. I think um, one thing I try to tell myself like mid game and also before tournament is that at the end of the day, uh, and this sounds kind of self-defeating, but like the, the set doesn't matter. And I know this sounds weird because like, obviously I'm trying to win, but I do think that like there was a point in time in my tournament like careers where I would like almost be so afraid of losing that like I stopped taking risks mid game and I started like deviating heavily from my my the my playstyle in friendlies where you know in friendlies I would go for crazy things like I would go for um I would make callouts I would go for you know uh these yolo all in kind of plays and in tournament I would just kind of like you know basically be praying that my opponent would mess up but I think that like paradoxically by me kind of like trying less hard to win like I also started winning more abstractly because I started becoming more comfortable just like um just playing my game essentially um I don't know if that makes any sense honestly No I understand I, I feel like I understand what you're saying there there is a significant difference between you're just chilling out it's it, you're back at the house you're playing with the homies and then there's yes. people yelling and screaming or whatever and you behind you and people are just getting hype in general maybe you're playing against somebody that has, you know, the crew with them and they're all going, Oh, mess him up. And you're going, I'm just trying to win here. Please stop (laughs) or whatever else. And uh, melee, especially because it's usually in the pre pandemic era, such a personal in person thing that it's kind of hard not to get caught up in that. If that gets to you easier, or if your own mental is such that you get nervous for big situations quickly, there is, a legitimate thing behind the nerves that, that you were talking about. And that is interesting to hear how you're going, how can I approach this holistically? Am I doing this right? Am I doing that right? Should mm. I think of it in this way? What about the caffeine part of all of this? And that's, it seems like you're trying to look at it from just about any angle that you can. And I think that back to the coaching thing a little bit, aside from just looking at the mechanics of your game itself, that that someone who has been around the block once or twice in the same way that you have could probably give you tips in that way as well. I don't know if that was something that you and Squid talked about, but just, I mean, in the future, something to consider just from my own vantage point of going like, well, what about the mental? Like, what do you, what do you think of at example, top player person when you're playing in these high pressure situation sets, like what works for you? And then if they say something you like, you go, all right, I'll, maybe I'll take that. Hmm. I will report back. Actually, yeah, that's a that's an interesting question. Um, if I took could take a stab at it right now, I would say that like from what I can I've I've heard from talking to other other players, it's like, um, you don't necessarily need to focus on, uh, like every single micro situation, but I I get the sense that like it can be helpful to have a few like bullet points, like just like a summary, like basically an index card in 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 mind. Like for me now, like whenever um I found it really helpful, like when I play against a sheik. Uh, uh, to to just remind myself before going into the game that like, hey, the the percent game or the the meta game at zero percent is going to be very different from the meta game at like thirty percent, and so I just need to remember like, okay, don't get grabbed, don't get grabbed, um, don't get moves that will you know get crouch canceled into grab, um, until you you cross that threshold, and like it's not like a crazy thing like, oh, I'm going to you know I'm going to look for short hop fair, and then I'm going to drill that, and then I'm going to you know drift back on my control ball. It's like very much just like this one thing of like. Like watch the percents, don't get grabbed. Um, also, I don't know, don't don't get hit. I don't know, <laughs> like oh, other stuff. But yeah, like, yeah, don't get hit. That's famous. <laughs> but just like these little things, I think can can. Um, I guess they get the essence of the other stuff across uh, sufficiently well. Probably. Um, I don't know if you do other 
like I know you you haven't competed in melee, but or um, but like from sports or anything, I'm, I would be curious if you've if you've seen similar things where like either having a game plan um, comes down to bullets, or if the details have been helpful or whatever. I would say for myself, I mean, I, I played like youth sports, I guess in like middle school or whatever, and then kind of chilled out about it a- a- after that. But I I would say that from my own perspective, when I when I feel like I want to get serious, I just sort of try to let go of everything else and be in the moment as much as possible mm. where it really boils down to I'm playing against somebody and all I'm doing here is I'm trying to win. And if something specific comes to mind, I'll let it ride. But I try not to think about things like what happens after the set is over. What happens mm. if I win? What happens if I lose? I just try to be in the in the moment as much as possible. I found myself doing that recently with something where I was like, okay, just forget everything else. Just focus on playing well and winning more or less, but not even thinking about what happens when winning <laughs> when you think of <laughs> sorry, yeah. just thinking about hungry box <laughs> when he was charging up rollout against slug. Oh, I think yeah. it was. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, he, <laughs> I, he was definitely thinking about, is this going to work? How am yes. I going to pop off if it does? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I don't love that. Actually, if, um, there was like this one anecdote that I was thinking of making as the intro video essay, so I guess I'll just spoil it here because I think it's relevant. But um, uh, have you ever followed Dota? I don't know if you know anything about that scene or anything. No, not really, but please fill me in. Yeah, so they have this uh, one tournament a year called the International, um, and it is the largest tournament by far in that entire scene. Um, and they just do this whole thing with like crowdfunding where people can, you know, they get skins and stuff by... Uh, buying uh, these, like, these battle passes, and then that contributes to the prize pool, blah, blah, blah. Well, that seems the, like a the, good concept. It is an amazing concept. It has made them so much money. And actually, the prize pools have been absurd, like literally like $40 million like for the entire tournament. And you can imagine the level of stress um, this puts on the scene, especially knowing that like you know as a competitor, um, this is the one tournament of the year, and you know, you're obviously, you, know, you win this tournament, and you become a millionaire, right? Um, and these are people who probably spend... Um, decades literally just like grinding for like 10 hours a day just like dreaming of like winning the international um and so every year after the international they actually make a documentary called true sight which i highly recommend um but event it's basically two camera crews that follow the the teams that play in the grand finals and you get to see like all the little like things like what do they talk about in between matches um what do they complain about when they're in the booth how how do they communicate um but one of the most interesting parts of I think it was 2018's documentary, um, was before walking into the stadium, you get a glimpse into like what the team captain of uh, one of the teams, like, you know, his like last speech before they walk into the booths. Um, and so obviously, you know, you set the stage, you imagine that you're that coach um, and like you're, you're, you have like five feisty youngins um, about to play the match of their careers um, and probably cap off one of the craziest runs, arguably in the history of, of esports even. Um, and the motivational speech he says is not even like a motivational speech at all. Like he doesn't say like some over the top like you know sports film thing like oh you're all the best or you know the other team is trash they don't deserve to be here. He actually he literally says like uh, I'm ready to to win three zero or get crushed you know three zero. I don't really know what's going to happen, but I'm just here to play like a game of Dota. Um, and I just thought that was like so incredibly profound because it is exactly what you're saying like in the moment, right? It's like very much like uh, you. Everything around you in the stadium, like all of the people, all the money, at the end of the day, it's like kind of an illusion, right? It's like very much like the only thing that matters is like the internal game state, 
you know, all the preparation and just like focusing on execution. And like when you think about like winning or losing at any given moment, it's like a poison. It really just like totally devours the rest of your mentality. And it's really important not to let that, I guess, um, seep in. But I just thought that 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 one part of that documentary was so uh, compelling to me, I guess. Yeah, that does sound very compelling. I, I like that there's all this fanfare and documentary stuff around one big gigantic tournament. Nintendo could never, I just would love for something <laughs> to be that way for melee. Like here's, yeah. here's what I've been thinking of. I think I've mentioned this to a few other people I bought on, so I don't know how regurgitated this is going to sound to a regular listener, but just think about the first big IRL event that's coming back. And you could say region, reasonably speaking, that first big IRL event for melee is going to be smash. Oh boy. Smash. Summit 11. I trip over S's. Smash Summit 11. There we go. Now the <laughs> no first worries. time. Yeah, you Keep got it. moving. When there's going to be 16 people who are going to be going to the first big IRL event in over a year for Melee. It's going to be six people mm. who qualify through SCL. It's going to be AMSA and Leffen who are just auto-invited. It's going to be by the best performing same circuit player from Europe. It's going to be the rollback rumble the big one tournament the best qualifying player from that online tourney and then it's going to be six Mm. vote-ins the drama darwin the drama and it would be so cool for this to be documented in some way and put out in a reasonable time frame i'm not trying to point any fingers i'm just saying if we got this you know (laughs) Like, by the end of the year. Like, it'd be really, really cool to kind of document how it comes to be and how people feel about it being the first IRL thing. Does that not sound like the coolest thing ever? Does anybody have $40 million to lend me? That would would actually be so sick. Uh, Because already Summit is is very standout in the way that um, you do get a glimpse into the personalities of players through all the skits and stuff, but it would be another level entirely to, like, actually highlight the competitive aspect of it because I would love to hear more about like you know what do these players worry about you know like do they have like these quirky warm routines where I don't know maybe they have like a bucket of ice and they put their hand or you know like maybe they have some like crazy um stuff but it, it, it would be so interesting to like follow all of that and you know I I would love to uh be good enough at making documentaries or anything to do that but I I would imagine like uh, I don't know if like turned down from for Walt um or, or any anyone like that would be able to do something like that. But that would, I totally agree. That would be phenomenal. I, um, I really feel like that there should be... Uh, I can't put this on Summit to do absolutely everything, but mm. if there could just be a little bit of a throw-the-bones sort of a thing, I mean, there's room for another person to go just to sort of document everything. And yes, yeah. turn out for Walt, friend of the program. It would be great if Walt could do something like that. I would love that. Or, and, and that would actually be part, really interesting. Like, oh, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, I, I was going to say that that would be really, really interesting. And also because they just do such a phenomenal job with production quality, this just seems like the, the cherry on top because I think that there is there would be a huge market for this. People do wonder what it is like to like compete at the top and, and all these different things. And it uh, also develops like, all the storylines and stuff. I mean, it's just like mm. AMSA and Leffen, like they're actually going to be in America for this? Like, that's what's supposed to happen yeah. as of now? And what if it doesn't happen? The drama, I'm just saying. Yes. It yes. seems... And also... Go oh, ahead. Sorry. <laughs> I was just really excited, apparently. But I was just going to say, uh, in, in, in the absence of this, one of the things I, I guess I would wish is, like, if a top player would even just, like, uh, torment vlog 
that would also be pretty cool. It wouldn't be the exact same thing, you know, with all the cool narratives and uh, the cool uh, Planet Earth uh, narrator or whatever. But it would be kind of interesting um, if if people would would do that sort of thing. So I don't know. Just an up close I, I guess, look. Yeah. That has value as well. Yes, 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 absolutely. Um, so you know, we're just throwing around some great ideas here, but so few, so few resources. I mean, seriously, it 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 is a big deal to also be given like direction and funding for this sort of thing so if it doesn't happen i obviously understand why but oh i am very excited for for that but also just like melee in general and i yes. do want to turn the page a little bit to do a vibe check how we doing we're about an hour in oh i'm i'm doing great i don't know uh yeah this is this has been awesome Awesome so far. Good deal. Good deal. We'll keep it going a little bit more because the the, la- the last two big things I want to talk about are your your own content that you are contributing to Melee through your YouTube channel and also the current state of Melee. So let's table the Melee thing and get to your YouTube channel. Sounds Why good. did you decide that you wanted to do that? And what's what's keeping you going with that? What are your goals? That sort of thing. Yeah, I think over the years, I've started to really like reflect on what it's like to grow uh, as a melee player, and I've realized that it, like it has taught me so much, and that's like something that I definitely want to um, talk about in in my YouTube channels. But something I've become incredibly passionate about is like the new player experience. Um, I just think it is interesting because it is actually very very difficult to learn fighting games. I know a lot of people will like kind of meme about you know new players quitting and stuff, and um, but I think is it there are so many. Um, like aspects of fighting games that aren't incredibly well understood, I guess, um, as, as a new player. And that's just like something that I I wish could have been better when I was, um, learning the game and like something that I think that, you know, we could do better. Not to say that, you know, anyone has like failed or dropped the ball or anything, but I think it's like very difficult to do that. Um, but then on top of that, I think there is this perception, um, and that like that content, uh, I guess like that content creators don't play the game, I guess. Like, I don't know where the, the theme has come from because like, you know, there are tons of commentators and, and, and whatnot who, who like compete and are very, very good. But I do think that there is, uh, I, I think that as a result, there is like this lack of content about specifically competing that I, I think would be interesting and specifically about progression. Um, and that's like one of the things that like I'm hoping to document as I progress as a player is Kind of, I think it would be kind of interesting to see um, what it's like because I also I, I think sorry this is I just realized I'm sort of rambling here so feel free to the cut in whatever that's what podcasting's for baby rant on boom there we go but I think that uh, I guess one of the things that has always frustrated me about self improvement content in, in in general on YouTube but like not specific to um, not specific to Smash or anything is that I think there's like a level of like pretension where it's kind of like, hey, I am so cool. My life is so great. Like, look at all these, you know, my big house and huge and all these cars. Tell them, Darwin, right? tell them. <laughs> and, but I think that it's, it's very not genuine. And I think that like, I find it really cool when people talk from their own experience. And I like, one thing that I want to do is like, I want to make educational content because I do think, you know, um, Melee is like a really deep game and it's really fun to think and, think about and play but i do want to do it from a place of like you know this is like you know these are my experiences like i'm also in progress like i'm not trying to pretend to be like better than you in any way because like obviously just because i can play a game or whatever 
um, and <laughs> admittedly not very well <laughs> in the grand scheme of things. But it's like it doesn't necessarily make me better than the, you know the 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 fresh face on the block who uh, you know goes 0-2 at their local tournament because you know they haven't had the time to to flourish in the game yet. So um, a lot of unedited thoughts, but uh, I hope that made any cohesive sense. Well, you've you've turned that into not only educational videos, but also very well edited. And thank you. I love the humor that you throw in because viewer retention, as you know better than I do, is kind of a thing. So mm. you have very engaging videos. the The most recent one that you did was overcoming competitive burnout. Mm. And yeah, six minute fifty one seconds. That's not too much of a time commitment. But even still, like some people are just used to like. Some people were around when Vine was a thing, and that's six yeah. seconds. So the the point of all that is that not everyone's going to be super down for a 10-minute video or a 20-minute video, a 60-minute video on something that's very precise and like, hey, you should get better here. And we're now going to break down just about every situation. You get cut off because <laughs> the person's yeah. already moved on to the next thing. But I, yes. I, love, I love the videos that you've made so far because in, in all of them, I can tell that you have it in your mind to be as educative as possible, but also to... To, to, to throw little treats at the viewer. You're just doing so much for the viewers who watch your videos because all of that requires so much extra effort, I feel like, and yet you're still <laughs> doing that. And I, I think that is really cool and it is unique and I really appreciate it. I, I That's really nice of you to say. Uh, I appreciate that. That's definitely like things that I'm, I'm definitely trying to go for. I actually think uh, the the idea of being engaging, it's like such... has like. Just trying to like be in the YouTube sphere has like taught me so much about like the nature of like attention or focus. I definitely know what you mean because like while being on the other end of content creation um, like has definitely taught me how difficult it can be to you know edit uh, or do certain transitions or whatever. I definitely am guilty of doing this myself. You know, I'll click into a YouTube video and they'll say something and my attention will drift and then suddenly like I'm out of there. <laughs> but I do think it's cool because the YouTube medium is so um, unique. Because there's kind of like the, obviously the visual aspect of it, and then there's like the the audio, but there's also like music plus uh, the I guess vocals I'll call it. Um, but I, I guess there's like a balance to trying to not like overwhelm someone because obviously there are certain times like you want people to like ingest the script, and there, obviously there are also critical moments like sentences that need to be um, that are even more important than uh, than all the other ones. But you also need to I think I. Have, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to learn this, uh, is uh, trying to make it so that there is that baseline level of engaging of like things going on, whether it is a combination of audio or visual or whatever, so that like you don't hopefully get bored. Um, but it's just like a, such a, an interesting balance. So I've, I've definitely trying to experiment a lot. Um, I appreciate the feedback. Uh, I'm glad to hear that it's engaging, but um, it is just a, such a weird, wild, wacky world, I guess. Yes, because do what you're saying. There's also like there you can't just like yell and have big bright flashing <laughs> images and just explosions, America, yeah, yes. or you get it. And you can't you can't have all of that in yes. one video. That that's too much. That's too much. And people are going, oh, oh, okay, that is a lot. That's just a lot happening. I'm gonna move on now because then it's <laughs> it's on the other yeah. end of that on the other end of the spectrum. I, I kind of understand what you're saying where it's like, yeah, I want people to not get bored, but also I don't want people to go, this is just like somebody put all of the dials to 11 and this is just a little too much. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there, yeah, I have seen uh, like YouTube essays and uh, where like it is 
so freaking fast and it's so incredibly clear to me that this person knows so much about the subject and is very excited to talk about it but it's like also like for my new brain like approaching the subject for the first time it's like the the all the, the information overload made me realize like okay maybe i should spend my time doing something else like this is this is like a little bit too much for me it's like it wasn't like a conscious decision but like i can definitely remember those being decision points where i was like okay maybe i should click into a different video but um yeah it's it's it is so weird to to do that medium correctly i think um but i i don't know it's it's uh i'd be also be curious like if if you had to think about anything for the podcast because like i i um have a lot of like respect for for long form content especially because um i mean i know six minutes is maybe considered long when you uh compare it to vine but in the grand scheme of things it's like not very long right it's like a it's like a very um tight amount of time um, and I'm curious, like, how you think about retention and all those different things, or I don't know if you feel comfortable talking about it. I do feel comfortable talking about it. My my whole thing is I'm doing this mostly for myself, and it's been really cool that people have been listening along, and I appreciate those people. However, mm. I, I don't like to get too hung up on the idea of how do I how do I make this the best thing possible and, and just make it super awesome and engaging for everyone. How do I do this? How do I do that? I will take that seriously, but I try not to get wrapped up in it because then it's sort of tying too much into my own idea of self-worth, which yeah. in my estimation is fairly fragile. So I say to myself, I'm having fun with it. So if I'm having fun, maybe that'll be the part that people sort of start to understand. And maybe people are just so obsessed with Melee that they've watched somehow, <laughs> watched everything about Melee around Melee on a daily basis and are going, I need podcasts, damn it. <laughs> and then they find mine and they go, okay, cool. Because there is, there is, if you're willing to look, an abundance of things to choose from in the Melee sphere, whether you're on YouTube or on the podcasting platform. Mm. But... For my own part, I'm just so happy to be doing this. So for now, I, I, I try not to get too caught up in, okay, how do I do this, that, and the other? The most thought that I've put into it is I try very hard not to do my opening solo segment of introducing the podcast and the interview for longer than 60 seconds because I know mm. that people usually come into the podcast intending on listening to the interview. So I'll go all right, well, I have to do a little bit of an intro th thing. And you'd be like, hi, welcome to the podcast. I'm Cypher and or Jesse, you get it. When I do that, I think, don't do that for more than 60 seconds. People are here to listen to the other person talk. And maybe they'll come back to another episode. Maybe they'll become interested in me specifically. But like when people listen to the Turn Down for Walt episode that I did where I interviewed Walt, they're not there for me. So I have to really make sure that the interview kicks in pretty quickly. So that's really the most thing that I've put a thought into. Also, read the first part. Uh, I totally get uh, get where you're coming from with like the short term. Like, it, I, I I see things on Reddit all the time about people like burning out because like, oh, why is this video that I put so much effort into, you know, got not getting as many uh, like subs as like this other video that I put up, and, and and that can be like a really dangerous hole to to go down. But I do think you have a really cool thing going on, um, and actually. On that note, I think it's kind of interesting because um, I actually don't mind some of the longer intros, but I, you know, obviously, you can take my uh, my thoughts with a, a grain of salt. But um, I don't know. I one of the, for me, one of the most compelling parts of the podcast was always, um, and one of the reasons why I listened for so long is I think it is kind of interesting to get like a fresh take on the melee scene um, because I do think that like 
there is a, a so most of the people I talk to have been in the scene for a very 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 long time. But it is kind of cool to see a new face, and also like you do have, um, I don't know, a new perspective on things. And then also it's like as a result, you also talk to a lot of different people that I haven't um, seen on like podcasty type stuff, I guess. And so I don't know, it's just very unique. I, um, so, but. I don't know where that was going, but I actually, I don't mind the intros, uh, but I don't know. Up to you. Yeah, no, the intros are there to stay. No, I will do that because I have to introduce and go, this is why you're here. And we'll talk to you after the interview's done if you want to stick around. And for the people who stick around, that's very cool. You can listen to me ramble a little bit more, as you know. Hell yeah. Darwin, you've told me that you've listened to some of my podcasts here. Yes. So I really appreciate that. And... <clears throat> The whole the whole content thing in general, especially around melee and what we're each trying to do on top of that as well. You're you're trying to compete a little bit. You got stuff going on in your personal life and ditto for me. It it is really cool how even amongst all of that, we still say to ourselves, "Got to do some melee stuff." So I I really enjoy mm. being motivated just to do do that. So I'm really happy with where things are currently for myself. I hope you I hope you feel the same with your YouTube channel. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, the way that I justify it to myself, though, is like I don't. I I'm hoping that it's not me like trickling my competitive drive into trying to like grow a YouTube channel. For me, like I'm hoping that it's a kind of a supplement to all like my my little like self improvement endeavors. I I, I still am, uh, naively think that I could maybe be top 100 or whatever in the future, and and I hope to I hope to realize that dream. But and obviously, no idea. But um, yeah, no, but I do think that the YouTube thing has honestly actually taught me a lot about Smash even. So, uh, I don't know. It's, it's just a it's a wild world to go down the, the content creation hole for sure. And I think that your 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 goal of trying to make top 100 at some point is is really cool that you still have that in mind and a goal that you think to yourself, this is still something that I can achieve, that it will take work and it will take time, but I can still do. It would be really cool to see you being able to take sets off of top 100 people and all that sort of stuff. But how many tournaments not that I'm trying to like be like you know like a melee therapist and be like, are you really putting in the over? No, no. <laughs> Just like tell me some about tell me about your like tournament attendance habits. Have you been able to attend like a a, a, a tournament or two a week, or is that even hard to do for you? Uh, I will admit my tournament attendance has gone down over over netplay. Um, I have played a lot of unranked, but um, I did have like a really awesome experience when I did enter some netplay tournaments, so I am trying to get into the routine of that. I'm in a bunch of discords that I'm trying to do, but um, yeah, no, I that's definitely something I could work on more. Um, is like attending more tournaments just straight up. But uh, I do think that like I have improved a lot over quarantine. Uh, there's just been so many different wild ways that like I think Slippy has fundamentally changed the way that like uh, people improve at melee. Just like. Uh, like even the most subtle one which is the fact that like it'll record your set and you can like play it back is just so different from i remember like um a few years back i literally had to invest in like this mini capture card thing that i oh, like and some this. splitter cables <laughs> yeah and i mean tos got mad at me my opponents got mad at me because it would make the crt screen like darker right and it like literally would would mess with the setup and i was like i really just want to you know watch my set like please um and now, you know, like, I don't have to ask. Like, it's like a thing that just kind of um, appears and just, like, happens. Um, and so, um, 
yeah, I don't know. Uh, improve. I still feel like I, I'm improving a lot, um, but uh, obviously we'll we'll see how that goes. Another thing that I would recommend, and this is me because I've I've watched Zane's video with husband, who is <laughs> mentioned in the original Smash Brothers documentary. So that's really mm, cool. Husband's yes. trying to get back in the game. Super but, cool. But watching Zane's video where he's like talking to husband about like, what are you trying to do? What are your goals with Melee for now? Like, why have you kind of like gotten back into it? <laughs> yeah. Zane's yeah. not threatened, by the way. But uh, by the way, <laughs> I anytime I get the chance to say it, I love top player Zane. You know, that personality mm. that he always does for skits and stuffs. Mm. I, I call that top player Zane. And I just love that, <laughs> that shtick. Anyway, Zane was not doing top player Zane when he was talking with husband, but just yes. saying, you don't even have to think about entering every single net t net play tournament possible. A big part of it is the social aspect. And so doing purposeful friendlies with one person doing one matchup where Darwin, you're like the Fox and maybe you find someone similar to your skill level in a discord who's playing as a Falco or a Marth. Yeah. And you just, and you just play and you're focusing on a different habit or this, that or the other that you're trying to fix. And then you end it with playing some, sets where you're going all right mm -hmm. now we're gonna try to win each of us is gonna try to just like outdo the other go try hard a little bit here like apparently that's what zane does because he was recommending it to husband i was like that mm. could be another improvement thing for you as well and i'm going oh yes oh okay cool it's and it was really cool to hear about zane's different like practice habits and ways that he considers getting better at melee in general just because i feel like i've seen a little bit less of that than i have from other top players so that was really cool to watch interesting that's actually a really good idea um i will i will try that because i do have like practice partners that you know i just like uh chill on discord and we we play a bunch of friendlies but um i've never really really given much thought to like purposely like scheduling sets um and such uh i feel like that would probably be a really good uh point for me to uh i don't know have things to reflect on as opposed to like an overall like two-hour session or something so yeah I'll, I'll try that i'll report back um i'll you're, <laughs> just, you're officially just, hired as my coach <laughs> just watch zane's video he does such a better job explaining it and he's the top player not me i'm just regurgitating information. <laughs> <laughs> no worries no i i i know i think honestly um that makes a lot of sense i think just like um one thing I definitely need to do more of is like playing more like serious sets as opposed to, you know, like I think um, I definitely feel like I'm improving still, but I, I definitely think like tournament working on tournament mentality and keeping that all that stuff up and um, or at least the mentality when having to play like, a, a set where there's like stuff online is definitely very important. So, you know, for sure. And then when it comes to watching Melee, how much of that do, are you able to do or that you like doing? For example, were you able to catch any of the SEL matches this past weekend here? Oh, yeah, I watched a little bit of it. Um, mostly grand finals because I just thought it would it was like super cool and obviously you know ridiculous ending. Um, to answer the earlier part of that, uh, I was I was just gonna say like actually funnily enough, making the video essays has like forced me to watch a lot of uh, tape, uh, like trying to find clips that uh, first of all create like the theme that I'm going for, yeah, yeah. Um, and also and all that stuff, um, but. Yeah, no, uh, I do try to catch up on like Summit and all those things when when those happen. Uh, I'm curious, like, did you did you uh, follow yesterday's tour events and and if so, like, if there were uh, matches that stood out or what you thought of everything? I wasn't able to watch all of the all of the sets or anything as of now. I'm gonna try to get to it later this week, but I was able to watch Wizzy, what sorry, Wizrobe versus versus Mango at the, a little bit of that live, but mostly the 
I was able to watch the entire Zane versus Wizrobe set, and oh, that was so yeah, much that was fun. incredible. It was so much fun to watch. It was great to see Toph and Scar on the mic together. Like the just the the collision of that again just made it feel so much more special to me for some reason. It's probably a nostalgic feeling. And that's another thing about melee that we didn't even talk about. It's such a nostalgic thing. I grew up Mm. with it in one way or another. And so it just reminds me of like my six year old, seven year old self. And maybe things were better and brighter. Maybe I hadn't lived my (laughs) life. No, I'm kidding. I really do like my life at the moment. But the point is, is that the nostalgia factor, real strong yesterday, seeing and hearing Toph and Scar talk together and also Slime getting in on the action as well. I think Slime's hilarious. (laughs) Sometimes misses, but overall hilarious. (laughs) And and watching watching that set between Zane and Wizrobe, and I have started to come on to a little bit of a theory with Zane. Now, you mm-hmm. have watched enough. You would probably be able to recognize what I'm talking about when I'm saying Zane likes to know who and what character he's going to be playing against, like who he's playing mm. and what character that player is going to be playing. He had an all-spacey bracket two or three weeks ago now when he just utterly dominated and 3 0 Mango in week two of SCL, but this was week three on Sunday here, two days ago. And he had a little bit of an easy-ish path, if you will, getting up to grand finals, but then all of a sudden there's a Captain Falcon instead of Mango. It's Wizrobe instead of Mango. This is the first time that Wizrobe has ever beaten Mango, so congrats to Wizrobe for that. That Mm -hmm. was already a huge deal. And we're all going, can it it happen that Wizrobe can beat Zane too? And I was thinking to myself before the set started that – Zane was not necessarily preparing for a Falcon. Now, I'm sure that Wizrobe was not necessarily preparing preparing to play a Marth, and that was true. Afterwards, Wizrobe admitted he only played a friend of his for five minutes before the set started. He mm. had not practiced against a Marth or played, studied for the Marth matchup in like two weeks or whatever because he, he, he was thinking the same thing as the rest of us. He wasn't going to get past Mango. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that no. Zane... Zane likes to know who and what he's going to play, and that was just enough, just enough yeah. for Wizrobe to get that to get Game Five. I totally agree. I would even go as far as to say that it has been like a staple of Zane's career, just like knowing, like him grinding away at problems and like like becoming like really, really, really good at preparing for matchups. Like I would say, like when he was on the come up, right? Him, him versus Hbox is probably the most interesting storyline there. Um, obviously, uh, it capped off with like Genesis Seven, but um, I think historically, uh, for people who aren't as familiar with the matchup, I think it's cool to know that like a lot of other Marth players have like struggled against uh, Hungrybox, and I think to the point that like people thought that the matchup was unwinnable um, until, uh, and I think that like a lot of people thought that eventually, like if Zane wanted to get really good, I think people were probably talking about him having to like dual main or something. But I just like loved his mentality that he was like, I'm just going to learn all these matchups. Here's Here's Marth, here's Puff. Like, what are all the crazy, like, how deep can I go into, like, this bag of tricks? And he, you know, he he, he pioneered everything, like, all the pivots and, and everything. I know other players have done that. Um, PPU, friends of the program. Exactly, exactly. No, I, I love that set. I'm, I'm a huge fan of PPU. But um, I think, like, Zane just went so deep in that matchup, and it was, like, clear that he, like, grinded the living hell out of, like, the out of that matchup and and i do think i totally agree as a result like i think he's he's uh like a very good preparer and um and also as someone who 
dabbles with Marth on unranked. I know that like I can uh, empathize with the the idea that uh, playing against Falcon is so different from the rest of the cast because Falcon just has all these different ways of like disrespecting Marth's movement in like the zone that like Zane would normally like go for. That like I feel like it's so uncomfortable playing the Marth side of that, especially if you're not going into the matchup like fully with the mentality of like okay, I'm I'm like expecting this. So I think your analysis actually, yeah, I I agree with it. And and that's not to say that Zane can't come across a matchup that he hasn't practiced as much for and still play very well because Zane is the de facto Definitely. number one player in the world. Most people Definitely. would agree on that for sure. But it was really cool because of the because of the fact that Wizzy was just coming off of such a historic win and had that momentum thing and Zane's like the big bad boss. But really Zane is an amazing player and I love mm. watching Zane play as well. And also acknowledging how all the things that you were saying a pioneer, absolutely, because the difference between Zane and any other Marth in recent history, like Pew Pew Yu or, or otherwise, is that Zane has actually been able to topple every matchup and make them all look <laughs> Marth favored yes. in one way or another. And that is, that's been so cool to see. But the one thing that I feel like that you can talk about this a little bit in your unranked Falcon is that doesn't... To me, it looks like Falcon has a really hard time edgeguarding Marth as compared to another character trying to edgeguard Marth. Or do you disagree? Interesting. Let me think for a second. Uh, I do think Falcon is weird in the sense that he kind of has to commit to the ledge um, a lot. He, I don't think he... Oh, I, I hope I don't get blown up for this. But I, I don't think he can, like do some of the stuff that other characters can do where they can kind of like poke at the ledge and really um force marth to to like sweet spot really 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 well like i think that like like down tilt doesn't cover that maybe up tilt does but in, es in essence like i do think it, it might be tricky in that sense but um i guess what i'm trying to get at is uh when i used to play falcon actually yeah um i think there was like some amount of flow charting that you could do to make the marth really uncomfortable uh, I would have to go through the set again. I don't really remember what Wizzy was doing against uh, Zane on the ledge. But I do think, Def like, if... Yeah. No, definitely struggling because Wizzy said afterwards, he's like, yeah, the edge guard was not super great because I haven't been practicing for Marth. <laughs> oh, okay. That that does it. Uh, for some reason, I have this inkling, though. Like, you're familiar with, like, hack stashing and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I for some reason... Uh, well, maybe I was just getting away with it because the Marth I used to play with didn't... Uh, know the matchup or something but i would just keep hack stashing constantly and that, that seemed to force them to go on stage and then i would kind of like stomp knee them or something but maybe that's not true um and i'm i would assume it's not true if, if wizzy's not doing it because wizzy is obviously the like a technical god um yeah oh, i'm not sure. no, clear I, I think i only saw wizzy try to do the hack stashing one time and i don't know if he was doing it like so that he couldn't keep invincibility the whole way through until re-grabbing the ledge or something. I'm not sure, but it didn't work on the one time where I saw him deliberately trying to refresh frames, refresh invincibility frames, and mm. it just it just didn't work out. Like Marth's up B still hit him, but the way that I think of it is is that Jigglypuff and Falcon have no projectiles, so trying to defend the the ledge and edge guard Marth in general automatically becomes a bit of a challenge because. In, in a way, you could say it's it, 
Fox as well, but Fox has shine, so that's kind yeah. of a thing. But I think <laughs> yeah. about Falcon having la- sorry, Falco having lasers and Sheik having needles just really helps because you have something to threaten without actually having to overextend and go out. Because if Falcon goes out and somehow gets clipped, then it's just insanely hard to come back yourself because obviously the up B you have lag landing on the on the on the stage and then you if you're going for the ledge that can be obvious because you have to sink low enough to that point and marth can wave dash backwards or pc walk yeah. onto the ledge so that's what i think about i think falcon really just has to wait and try to grab the ledge at exactly the right spot or else it's kind of just what we saw where Wizzy wasn't letting zane back onto the ledge every time but Getting clipped a lot by by the up B mm. by Mars up B and having a hard time defending ledge, but I think that mostly afterwards when Wizzy was saying I haven't been able to prepare for the Marth matchup like a lot recently, I I said to myself, okay, so there are things that could be applied, and Zane probably felt the same way. He was like, I wasn't preparing for Falcons, so there were some things I probably could have done better. But the, yeah. at the very end of Game 5, where he repeatedly was doing little things to knock him off, but Zane still kept living and surviving and kept trying to come back, mm. and then finally getting invincibility frames to able to hold ledge, and there goes Zane, and everybody pops off, and Wesley does the yeah. pop-up. The, the, the Viking roar, it's, like, it's insane. Um, one thing I also wanted to highlight was that, like, I feel like Zane's recoveries are are incredible. Also, like, top he, notch. He just like manages to stay in that zone where he can threaten to up be at any point in time for just like an excruciating long time. And I can only imagine that that's so hard to edge guard because you never know when he's actually gonna up be, and you need to respect it because of what you said. Like, if you hold it for too long or you exist in that zone for too long, you get clipped. Worst worst case scenario, you get stage spiked and you die. Um, but yeah, I think Zane really knows how to like milk all of those opportunities like really, really, really well, uh, for sure. That's, yeah, the recovery is such an important thing for Morris to in order to continue to keep up and force the other player to go. Man, what do I got to do to kill this character? <laughs> so seeing the recovery options from Zane, like that, like obviously Wizzy has played Morris before. They've played each other before they yeah. know what the other person is going to generally look for and still outsmarting each other at top level it's so fun to watch so for sure that that about that about wraps it up for me we're at an hour and 30 so i want to wrap this up i want to give you an opportunity to offer any closing thoughts you have and as well as where the people can find you oh uh my closing thoughts are melee is sick and uh this podcast is even sicker or uh, i mean actually whoa whoa whoa. sorry i I take it back they're they're both equally sick actually whoa (laughs) Uh (laughs) (laughs) you can um you can order melee and uh this podcast in whatever order doesn't get me destroyed on twitter but um they're both they're both sick obviously but um i am on twitter um at the biggest thing um and uh, you can find my YouTube channel, uh, Darwin Ding, D-A-R-W-I-N-D-I-N-G, uh, is my first and last name. Um, yeah, I make uh, video essays, and I hope to continue to do so for the foreseeable future until I get like added by a top player because all of my stuff is misinformation. <laughs> you have to, yeah, you have to say something totally outrageous, get everyone's attention, and then you go, yeah. ah, just kidding, I do know what I'm talking about, so in this next video essay, I'm going to. Darwin, thank you so much for joining me on Bottom of the Smash Mountain. And thank you for having me. This was a blast. Why is it so quiet? Oh, right, transition. You made it. Congratulations on the other side of the interview with Darwin. I do hope that you were able to enjoy that. Links to all of Darwin's stuff is in the description of this here podcast. 
Let's talk about a few things before we get out of here, though, because there are a few bookmarks, tweets, Twitter-type stuff that I feel like I should just briefly go over. And I actually did one of them specifically about Beyond the Smash Summit team where they're talking about Smash Summit 11, player breakdown. I already said this while I was talking with Darwinja, but just in case you were sleeping at that moment, here's what's happening for Smash Summit 11. We have six SEL2 qualifiers. So this upcoming weekend is when the top six players from that bracket are automatically invited into Summit 11. I'm not going to say Smash Summit 11 because I keep tripping over that. And then we have... From the same circuit, the number one ranked same circuit player gets to be invited to Summit 11. Then we have Rollback Rumble, the big one. That's right. There's a tournament being run by by, by Homemade Waffles and the rest of his team called the big one. So we have that spot open. And then AMSA and Leffen get auto invites, which is fun. And then there are six more spots open to whoever gets the highest votes. That's right, vote-ins are back. And these are going to be more coveted than ever, more sought after than ever. Already I have seen some campaigns on the internet for, hey, just in case, I might all of y'all, I might need all of y'all to come through. <laughs> so I'm really excited to see what that process is gonna be like because I haven't seen one as up close as I'm going to now. I, I have participated somewhat in Vodans before, so it'll be more fun than ever to be even more dialed in, to actually recognize some of the people trying to get voted in, because in the past, as I continue to learn more, I haven't necessarily been familiar with everyone 100%ly, but we're starting to get there. I'm starting to recognize names outside of Mango and Zane. <laughs> Although I still wasn't necessarily sure who Colbold was off the top of my head when we were previewing SCL2 week three last last week for the preview with Brentos and Wasabi. I was asking them, who's Colbold again? I've seen the name, but I, I'm not sure where they're from. And so, again, I hopefully will be familiar with everyone who's trying to get into the voting process. But that probably happens after all the other qualifiers and tournaments that are offering a spot the vote-ins probably happens last so it'll be a real last minute urgent scenario situation that'll be interesting let's also talk about echo storm who is a really nice person echo has been on my podcast so friend of the program as you would also hear me say and echo has gone a little bit hard not not super hard. What's the best way to phrase it? Echo has stated the things that he believes in for the Smash community as it pertains to all of the stuff around all the stuff around Smash in general in the general sense of the community where there have been redacted players or redacted personalities sort of trying to I don't think sneak back in is the right word but kind of campaign to get back into the 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 works no to get back into the community a little bit more to participate if you will so there's been a little bit of that happening it's sort of hard to talk in a general sense but what i recommend you do is watch the cheats video on it just look up the cheat 
Oh, no. When I looked up the cheat and smash, that actually did not bring up the... So I'll link it in the description of this podcast again. I did it last time. I'll do it again this time. The cheat made a good video that I'm pretty much in alignment with there. But this is Echo talking about some of the issues around this as well, where Echo is basically stating on his Twitter of being like, this is why some of these people who are sort of not defending well yeah well that actually is what it is more or less some of the people that i see defending banned people i don't i don't agree with and i think you're focusing on the wrong thing here i think you really ought to be focusing on allowing people who have been negatively affected by the people in that were ended up being banned. Like I don't, I don't want to overuse the word victim. I'm just referring to the people who were on the bad side of those situations, who were taken advantage of, or, or whatever the exact circumstance was. Echo has said, "I feel so burnt out on explaining this. I'm just a small behind-the-scenes editor compared to the person he was talking about on his Twitter. You can go there at Echo underscore." Um, at echo underscore storm overall i feel so burnt out explaining this i'm just a small behind the scenes editor compared to him feeling very discouraged and i'm not even a victim the basic thought process there being that echo was saying he's trying to say look i'm not (laughs) the biggest clouding individual by a long stretch but i just want to contribute And Echo specifically said, I like to think so long as the people who care outweigh the rest, there is hope. It's just hard to tell if that's the case sometimes. And that was in response to somebody else who was saying it's 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 hard to be hopeful about it at all times. So, Echo, I just want to reassure you or or to give you a little shout out to first of all say thank you for going to bat for people who need as as many extra voices as possible for being willing to say we don't want to make a habit or set a precedent of letting people who have done wrong things be welcome back into smash with open arms that sets a bad precedent for the future like that those are all good things that you're saying there and it's it's stuff that i agree with you don't want to set a precedent of saying somebody did something really wrong like like going to jail level wrong (laughs) we should not make a habit of just inviting those people back in sort of like after a few months of being pushed away or after a year of being pushed away and just going all right that's your that's your clout jail now you can sort of come back and things are perfectly fine and the way they were before. Well, you're not thinking about the victims in that sense. You have to think about that as well. And I would like to think that if you knew somebody personally, because I don't, but if you knew somebody personally who was in a bad situation like that, where they were the victim in that circumstance, again, I'm, tr- I'm not trying to overuse the word victim, but they were just taken advantage of or something truly wrong was, was done to them. If you knew that person personally, how could you say to them, I support you with a straight face and then turn around and say, oh, my favorite 
player or personality or whoever else is coming back. Yay! Of course you wouldn't do that. And so you have to think, try to think about it in that terms or in those in, in that way as best you can. As best you can. It's hard, and obviously we like people who press buttons really well, but we can't like people who press buttons really well so much that it all of a sudden means they are not to be held accountable for wrong or just straight up illegal actions. So hard to consider, apparently, according to the internet, but we're not on Twitter at the moment. It's just you and me or me and the listeners. So hopefully you're listening with more of an open ear as compared to reading a 240 character tweet and then coming back at me with a 240 character tweet of your own. Or, or a GIF. You get it. Hopefully there's a little bit more room for nuance here. So how to sum this up? <clears throat> I think the best way to sum this up is when we all lift one another up, we all rise. So try to be good to your fellow individuals who are all around you. Treat people the way you want to be treated. Try to think from somebody else's perspective every once in a while. And I think that'll get everyone in the right direction i don't think that it involves having to be perfect at all times it just means you really need to try to make considerations for other people so there you go to hear all of these sort of thoughts better more eloquently put instead of me rambling about it you really should watch the cheats video about this sort of stuff that's been happening recently. So I highly recommend it. It'll be in the description of this podcast so that you can tap it and get going. And so while you're going to YouTube, also be sure to subscribe to Darwin, who is putting out great Melee videos. And that's it for me. I hope that y'all enjoy the rest of your day or or evening or or your midnight snack, whatever it happens to be. We'll catch you later.